0: I want you to take your Bibles, as always, take your Bibles, as always, because I don't have anything to say worth saying apart from what this book says. Let's take our Bibles. I want us to turn to the book of Psalm, right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 100, Psalm 100, right in the middle. Now there is a message. The Bible is God speaking to you and he reveals himself through the Bible. This is where you find out what he's like. And one of the messages of the Bible is that there is a book right in the middle of the Bible and it's the biggest book in the Bible and it's called Psalm or Psalms. Psalm is the Hebrew word for song. Those 150 chapters are 150 songs. They were originally written as songs, but they're God speaking to you and me. Why did he put the song book right in the middle of the Bible and make it the biggest book in the Bible? Because the worship of God should be central in our lives. It should be the center of our lives. And uh, we're gonna look today in Psalm 100. I love this Psalm so much. Rarely does a day go by in my life that I don't read this Psalm. Let me tell you what this Psalm is. This Psalm, and I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. This Psalm is the tuning fork of your heart. Do you know what a tuning fork is? Actually, we use electronic tuners today. Years ago, we used a tuning fork. But uh, I have a friend, his name's Jamie Hunter, from years ago, and Jamie is a studio musician in Nashville. He plays for well-known country music. They hire him to do music when they're making albums and stuff. And Jamie is country to the core. And we talked talking one day and I noticed we got done with our show that night and Jamie took his guitar and he unwound every string and loosened them. And, and I said, why'd you do that? He said, I do it every night. He said, cause it's going to be in a cold trailer. The environment, the atmosphere affects the guitar and the wood will you know, constrict or it'll extract and, and it's rough on a guitar if you don't unwind it. He said, that's why every time before you perform, before you lead, he said, you have to tune your guitar. Have you ever noticed an acoustic guitar? You have to tune it every day. Because the atmosphere around it changes the tune. And it can get it what we call out of tune. Now, I play the acoustic guitar. An acoustic guitar out of tune is terrible. I mean, you can have a talk of meaning, it sounds terrible if it gets out of tune. That's why you have to tune it all the time. How many of you know that we can get out of tune because of what's around us at times? Listen, an out of tune guitar is nasty. An out of tune believer is nasty, malignant. It's terrible. And how many of you know we can get to sounding cranky and crabby and out of tune and the environment around us can change our attitudes. That's why every day we need to be tuned. Because now you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish, but you need to tune your soul regular. You know where you tune your life every day? Start your day with Psalm 100 every day. Just read through it and you'll say, that's where my soul needs to be every day right there. And I'm telling you, we're living in a a culture right now, an environment right now that is so out of tune. It's getting out of tuner more every day. We don't follow our culture. We follow our savior. Crabbing and complaining and whining and being negative and life sucks. That is not the tune of this book. That's why we got to stay in this book, stay in tune. Let's read the tune and fork of your life. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. You got it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it. That, that's it. Who wrote that? God Almighty wrote that to you. Do you make it to the milkman or do you make it to the... See, the God I was taught as a young man, you didn't dare shout to him. He didn't like joyful shouting. He liked something called reverence. If you don't know what that is, look up rigor mortis in the, in the dictionary. Reverence and rigor mortis is real close. What does the God of the Bible say we're supposed to be doing? You mean it's all right to be excited about life? All right. This is what we call normal for believers right here. Look at the next one. Serve the Lord. Hey, Amen, brother beggars. Serve the Lord with sadness. What I was taught when I was a young, first became a Christian, they were all sad and serious and mad. What does it say? Do you mean it's all right to follow Jesus and be glad? It's not only all right, this is normal Jesus living. Serve the Lord with gladness. You just go out in public tomorrow morning. See how many glad people you see. Go to Walmart. (laughs) Listen to me. We are not called to be thermometers and measure the temperature of our culture. We are called to be thermostats and change the temperature. Don't let that mess get on you. Let your mess get on them. And we need to serve the Lord with gladness. How many of you know we've got an invitation here? Come before His presence with... Have you ever met singing? Have you ever met anybody that's just big on music? I mean, they're just music freaks. You ever met anybody like that? Listen to the Bible. Our God is a music freak. Why do you think the biggest book in the Bible is about music? Why does he tell you, if you're going to come see me, bring a song? Come into his presence for singing. You ever met those people just sing all the time? You need to be one of them. Less crabbing, more singing. I'm going to preach it whether you like it or not. Less thinking, more singing. Come before his presence trying to figure everything out. Come before his presence, Facebook. Singing he's big on I'm telling you this is the tune and fork of our lives. this is where we need to live. know that the Lord He is God, it is He who has made us not we ourselves. We are his people, we're his people. The sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Now something else he's real big on right there. I never know that you, you so well, brother Brian, you can't be thankful all the time. Look it up First Thessalonians 5:18 in everything, give thanks this, not for everything. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God for your life. Charles Stanley said the number one asked question that I've ever asked in my life is how do I find the will of God for my life? That's one of the easiest things you'll ever do. Buy your Bible. Look up first Thessalonians 518. You'll find his will for your life. This is the will of God for your life and everything give. No, I meant do I be a doctor or do I be a bus driver? Be a bus driver and be a thankful bus driver. what you want to do. He near his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures forever. When you read that and you get that in your heart, that will what we call calibrate you for the day so that you live your life grateful, celebrating, singing, knowing the Lord's goodness. He's faithful. His truth endures forever. They line on the TV his truth endures forever. And then you can go out in your day calibrated. You're good to go there. All right. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Today. I gave you that for free. Now. But we're gonna look at one verse in this passage today, and I want to talk to you today about a purpose-driven life. A book came out some years ago, written by Rick Warren, called A Purpose, The Purpose Driven Life. Still the best selling Christian book of our generation. And it simply said, don't just live, have a purpose. Well, this Bible tells you and I, we should have a purpose driven life. In other words, my life should be lived on purpose. I don't just go, I don't just say, let's see what'll happen. I'm of you let's see what'll happen. is a good way to go over the waterfall. You need to find out his purpose for your life and then do what? Do it, do it. Do it. All right, let's find our purpose. We gotta ask three questions first. Psalm 100 verse three. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. Question number one. Do you believe that? Do you believe God made you? Right, we have a conflict in our nation right now. A popular evolutionary teaching. We believe in evolution. We believe that things evolve or change over time or adapt to their culture. But at the heart of evolution is this, this truth, this falsehood actually, there is no God. We believe there's a God. We believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that exists, exists by his hand. But we also believe this, God said this in that same passage, let us make man in our image. How many believe God created people? All right, let's go a little bit further. Not just that he created humanity, a man and a woman and said multiply and here we are thousands of years later. If you believe this book, you have to believe that he created you specifically. You can't just believe that you're a biological product. Evolution teaches that you're just a sack of cells waiting to fall over. You were created on purpose. And you have to believe, as the scripture says, and I want to quote this to you from Psalm 139. Before you, you, you knit me in my mother's womb, you knew me. What you going to do with that? Before he created, you said, I was an accident. You might have been a surprise to your mama, but you were not a surprise to him. That same psalm was there. You were there. You were there when you knit me in the depths of my mother's womb. God put you together in your mother's womb on purpose. You're not an accident. You're not just one of 7 billion right now. He knew your name. He saw everything about you. He knew you before you were born. He predestined you. So we got to get this down in our hearts that I'm not just here because some man met some woman. God put me here. God created me. And then I've got to ask the next question. Well, if we believe, as the Bible says, we've got to know that He's God and He made us. We've got to know that. The next question is what? Why? Did He just make me and say, see you, Good luck. I'll check with you at the end. Call me if you need me. Is that why He created me? How many of you believe that in the mind of this great God, there was a reason to make me? and you. And let me know there's more than just eating, burping, movies, and growing old and sitting on the bench at Walmart. I want to know this. I, I, I don't want to know religion. If you made me, I want to know why. Why'd you put me here? What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to be quote doing? Right, let me tell you what this Bible teaches. He created you with a purpose. Every person has a purpose and he created me with a purpose. And if, if he did create me with a purpose, as this book teaches, as we're going to see, what's the obvious, what's the third question? What is that purpose? Why am I on this planet? These are the big questions of life. This book's got the answers. No other place can you find the answers except this book. What is my purpose? Now, let me teach you something before we look at the purpose. You understand that his plans for you are different from his purpose. Plans and purposes are two different things. I said earlier, my buddy Jennifer's here. She leaves for the Amazon tomorrow. She's a student at NC State years ago, finishing her PhD. And God spoke to her and said, leave where you're at, go to the Amazon region of South America, go to unreached people and preach the gospel to them and start a church. And she did that. Now she started many. That was one of God's plans for her life, but that was not his purpose for her life. I'm a pastor because that was one of God's plans for me. I wanted to be a highway patrolman. Driving fast and shooting people is more exciting than arguing with old women in meetings. Can I get a witness? Still struggling with this. But I was, he, one of his plans for me was to be a pastor. Here, whether you like it or not. Here. But that's not my purpose. Every person, listen to this. I know the plans I have for you. And if you'll walk with Him, if the steps of a good man or woman will be ordered by the Lord, those plans will unfold through your life. Not always easy. Not everything's perfect. We live in a fallen world, but He has plans. But listen, purpose is different. Your purpose is different, it never changes. It's from ages to ages. And we want to talk about purpose this morning. And when I was created by Him, I was created many plans, but I have a purpose. And the Bible's very clear if you're going to find the purpose you were created for, you go, you have to go, you have to go back to creation. And the Bible teaches you and I, there's only two chapters in the Bible where you can find the will of God done perfectly. You can find him working through the whole Bible, but there's only two chapters in the Bible where everything is just like he wants it to be. Well, actually the last two chapters in the Bible are back to what he wants. But the first two chapters in the Bible is where he created everything there is. And it was perfect before man messed it up. So to find the best God has, His perfect will, you have to go back to Genesis 1 and 2. We're not gonna turn, I'm just gonna quote them to tell you. But God created the planet with a purpose. He created people, put them on the planet with a purpose. And it's in those first two chapters that we find our purpose. And it always involves three things. Every human being has the same three purposes for your entire life. It's the reason He created you. And if you don't find out why you were created, you're gonna live your entire life. Watch this, something right here is gonna be going... I'm missing something because he designed your heart to accomplish your purpose. You got to hit it. All right. What was the purpose of God in creation of humanity, which applies to all of us? We'll just go back. It's all in one chapter in the Bible, which is Genesis chapter two. Let me just quote it to you. What is the primary purpose I was created for? I'm going to believe I was created to work for God. If that's the case, he got ripped off. Well, go back and see what happened when he created man. What happened? God creates man. He puts him in a garden. He lets him rule it. It's beautiful. Everything's perfect. Every day in the cool of the day, God Almighty would step down into that garden and him and man, him and Adam would walk together and talk together. Here's the word. They would enjoy each other. Your primary purpose, you were created to enjoy God. And until you enjoy God, you'll never find out why you were created. That's different from going to church. That's different from serving him. That's different from keeping the Ten Commandments. You can go to church, keep the Ten Commandments and never enjoy God. I've got a wedding band on. I own three wedding bands. Silver, gold, and black because they're supposed to match your watch and supposed to match your belt buckle. That's that neurotic thing coming out. I've got a marriage certificate. My name is on a mortgage with a certain woman. You can have all that stuff, not have a relationship. You were created to enjoy God and God would walk in that garden and they would have the best time together with each other. That was was the primary purpose of creation right there. We messed it up, but we can get back to the garden. One of the greatest songs ever written was written out of Genesis chapter two that talks about that. And it goes like this. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses. What does discloses mean? He shows himself and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share while we tarry there. Nobody's ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds stop singing. That is what you were created to do. That's your purpose in life. You were created to enjoy God. Many churches started their services all over this nation this morning and they start their services by quoting the Westminster Short Catechism and it goes like this. It's just a short statement of faith and here's what it says. It says, The chief aim of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You were created to enjoy God. You were created to fellowship. The word is fellowship in the Bible. That's why we were put on this earth. Secondly, what else does the Bible teach us there in those first two chapters? I was created to enjoy God, to hear his voice, to talk to him and us us enjoy each other. I never thought about God enjoying people. Then why did he create them? He didn't need help. He's got an angel can do more in five seconds than I can do in five lifetimes. He didn't need my aggravation. He was looking for a friend, for sons and daughters. Number two. Now listen to this. This is one of the craziest things in all the Bible. God created everything there was, and He said it was all good. He created the earth. He said it's good. He created vegetation and the Lord saw that it was good. He separated the night from the day, saw that it was good. Created the animals, saw that they were good. He created man in His image. He said it is good. What's the first thing in world history that was not good? God said this, it is not good loneliness. He said it is not good that a man should be alone. What's wrong with that? He was not alone. Was he? I thought he walked with God in the cool of the day. Every day, I thought he and God were friends. How can you be alone when God's your friend? But the Bible said it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make somebody else a helpmate. What the Bible teaches us right there is there is a hole in his heart right here that only God's presence can fill. Theologians say it like this. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human being. Let me tell you something. There's a brine-shaped vacuum in the heart of God. There's a man, woman-shaped heart vacuum in the heart of God, but there's another hole in this heart. There's another need in this heart. What is it? I need to be in a relationship with people. God said it is not good. Even if you walk and talk with me daily, you need people in your life. Number one, we were created. My purpose is to enjoy God. Number two, my purpose is to enjoy people. You say, "Well, people are so stupid. How many of you would agree that we are? We are. We really are. Amen. That's called a fallen state of humanity. God said, I will. it's not good. God, when God Almighty says something is not good, that is not good. I keep up with this through reading and watching. Secular counselors, Christian counselors are telling us we have an epidemic of loneliness in this nation right now. How can you be lonely <clears throat> when there are... <clears throat> when there are... <clears throat>. anybody got the healing gift? How can you be lonely when there are 330 million of us just in this nation? You can be elbow to elbow with somebody and be lonely. You can share a bed with somebody and be lonely. It's not about how's the weather. It's not about who's going to win the Super Bowl. It is about heart communication, heart to heart. Our hearts were created to connect with God and people. It's not good that a man should be alone. I will make a, what's the word? Help meet for him. You were created to enjoy people. He said, well, people aggravate me. Something must be wrong then. He said, don't you know how stupid the people are around me? Is it the people? Do you need a counselor or do you need a mirror? That was pretty good, wasn't it? If you try to use people you can be miserable. If you abuse people, you can be miserable. If you ignore people, you can be miserable. You will listen to what the Bible teaches you and I right here. You will never enjoy people until you do what you were created to do. I will make a help till you live to help people. You'll never enjoy them until you become a servant. You will never enjoy them. I don't care if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500. When you go in that place every day, your goal should not be to rule over those people. Your goal should be to serve those people. If you hate where you work, it's because you're not a servant. If you hate where you work, it's because you're not a servant. Dear ones, Jesus said this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now let me make an announcement. You don't get no higher than God. I mean, that's a pretty big job right there. That's top of the ladder any way you cut it. what he do every step he took on this planet? He served people. Adam and Eve did so good as long as they what? Helped each other. We were created to help people and enjoy people by serving them. You're created to enjoy people and serve them. One especially and then a bigger circle. What's the third thing the Bible teaches us in that place that was my purpose in life? What did he say to him? He said, I give you the whole world. I give you everything there is. I'm going to turn you loose. Be fruitful. Multiplies have children. Be fruitful means this. Be successful and accomplish. Accomplish. Do something with your life. I don't care whether you build a great business or you're the guy who's supposed to clean the floor at the Piggly Wiggly. Do not drag your fanny. Do not live for retirement so you can once again sit at Walmart with white socks and black loafers. And plaid shorts, waiting for supper time. That's not living. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We were created to accomplish and we're pushed to accomplish. Listen to me, what I just told you, that's why you were created. That's your purpose in life, to enjoy God, enjoy people and be fruitful or to accomplish. Now I'm reading this one day and I'm reading the scriptures and I'm just talking to God one day. And I'm reading through this and I told him, I said, uh, this joyful shouting, that surprises me. I didn't think you liked that because of where I went to church. And he said, I don't care what your church does. I'm God. If I write it, that's me. Can I get a witness that Bible trumps church? Can I get a witness that Bible trumps preachers? Can I get a witness that Bible trumps everything? Pardon me for my joyful shouting. And I said, "This one really gets me. Serve the Lord with gladness. When did you start that? Must have been today." <laughs> and once again, I'm learning. We need to learn from this book, not what we see around us. But then I got to this one right here, where it's. And I'm reading this before, and I just we're just talking. Let I me mean, I know you can talk to him. People cock their eyes when I say God told me this. It's like you don't think the creator of the, the Bible said, "Who created man's mouth?" You don't think I can talk? Friend, hearing God is not weird. It should be normal. Since my sheep hear my voice, I talk to my children. So I said to him, I'm reading this one day and I, I read this and I said, I want to read something to you. I said, serve the Lord I said, come before his presence. I said, know that the Lord He is God. It is He who made us. And I just stopped there and I'm sitting at my little desk in my office at home. I said, Why'd you make us? I never even know that's a good question. Why'd you make us? And let me tell you what he said to me. He asked me, he said, why'd you make your children? And so I took, I pulled a legal pad close and I said, well, let me dwell on this for a minute. Why'd I make my children? Um, number one, to work for me. What do you think? We, we spent $300,000 putting them through college. That doesn't count 18 years of food, braces, automobiles, fuel. Clothing, clothing. This is fourteen dollars at Walmart. These are my jeans. I buy them at Walmart. Once in a while, I splurge and pay twenty for Carhartts at Tractor Supply. Fourteen dollars. Do you think my little girls? Do you think they wear fourteen dollar jeans? No, they got it. they got the eagle stamped on them, and they're tore up when they come out of the store. I'm sorry. The point is, we sunk hundreds of thousands into our children. Let's vote. How many of you think I got several hundred thousand dollars worth of labor out of my kids? (laughs) I didn't have my kids to work for me. And I prayed over this and I said, I want to know. And I wrote down four reasons we had our kids and I held them up to him. I had my kids number one because I wanted to love them. I had my kids to love them. I was so excited when I found out children were coming because I wanted to love children. I love children anyway. If I'm talking with Franklin Graham and a kid comes up, Franklin's number two. I love children. And I wanted to have kids to love on and dote on and be a father to. Number two, the second reason we had kids, I was hoping for them to love me. I wanted my children to love me. I didn't care if they worked for me or not. I didn't care if they paid part of the bills. That's not important. I just wanted them to love me as a father. Number three, I had my kids to enjoy them. Well, I didn't have my kids so somebody else could raise them. Kids, are, kids weren't a burden to me. The Bible said kid, children are a blessing from the Lord, a gift from the Lord. And I was so excited. I found out we was having children. And, and we, when our kids, we just did, my joy in life is to be sitting in the recliner with a child up here reading books to them, playing with them. And even when my Oldest daughter, finally, out, I couldn't wait to have a girl so I could hunt and fish with her. So I had a, we had a daughter first, and finally she got about that tall. Right, there. I said, we're going fishing. She couldn't even walk hardly. She just. He sort of look like a drunk on a totem pole, and sort of doing like that. So I just backed my pickup truck right up to the edge of the pond. I mean the tailgate's right there on the edge of the pond. And I stood aside and I sat here in there and I leaned her little belly against the tailgate there and put that little rod in her hand and she's hitting me with it and flopping it out there. We had a great time. We just we just loved our kids. I wanted to I wanted to enjoy our kids. I wanted to laugh with them and I wanted to do life with our children. They grew up too fast. Can I get a witness from older people? They grew up too fast. We're in that awful place between children and grandchildren. I just wanted to enjoy my kids. When we did dinner. We required dinner at the table at our house, non-electronic. You know what that means, non-electronic? I don't want to hear Snoop Dogg at this table. I want to hear you at this table. And we would sit there sometime. We still do when they come. We sit there for two hours. We don't eat that long. We just sit there and talk and enjoy ourselves. I wanted to enjoy my children. And then the fourth reason I had children, we had children, I wanted to be good to them. I wanted to pay for their stuff. I wanted to bless them in life. I wanted to help them get get a start. I wanted them to do well in life. I wanted to teach them things, not because I was a tyrant, didn't want them to enjoy themselves, and I didn't want to be a fun sucker. I wanted to teach my children things so they could have a great life after I was gone. I wanted to train up a child in the way they should go so that when they were old, they'd still be able to enjoy it. And I, matter of fact, you, this, will surprise, this will shock you. There were times I wanted to teach them more than they wanted to be taught. Still do. That's why we had our children. So I wrote that down and I said, you asked me why I had my children. I said, this is the reason. I had them to love them, to be loved by them, to enjoy them, be good to them. And let me tell you what he said to me after I held that up to him. He said, search the scriptures. Jesus often said to people that ask him questions, search the scriptures, which means, what does my word say? He said, search the scriptures and see if all through the Bible you do not find, that's the same four reasons I had my children. I created people so I could love them. I put people on this earth so I could love them. With the hope of what? What is the number one commandment in the Bible? Thou shalt not smoke. When Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing a man can do? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He does it first. We love him because he first loved us. I wanted to be loved by God and I want to love him. And I believe he put me on this planet to enjoy him. And so we can enjoy each other. We go fishing together. I, I would, I'm going to get in trouble. I might as well say it. We listen to country music together. Now, not that profane filth about getting somebody's daughter, you dumb redneck down on the creek. Like, I'm talking about that mess. I'm talking about singing about loving your wife, your mama, dogs, fishing, trucks. We, we go fishing. We just have the best time together. He created me to enjoy me. He didn't create me to work for him. And let me tell you the fourth reason he created me and you. So he could be good to us. Yeah. Sean sang a song about you came running down my prodigal robe. What does the Bible teach you and I right there? That boy turns his heart toward home. What would the father do? I'm going to give you everything I got. and I want you to eat with me. This is the God of the Bible. He created me to be good to me and to bless me. You search his word and see if it's not in there. All right. Let me, let me point something out here. If that's my purpose in life, if I don't hit my purpose, then I have wasted my life. I don't care if you think I'm successful or not. I don't care if this culture says I'm great because whatever, if I miss my purpose, I have wasted my life. All right, there's a book in the Bible. I'm gonna to talk to you about it for a second. It's one of the smallest books in the Bible. It's only eight pages. A man wrote it and it is, a biog- it is his autobiography. He's an old man. He's looking back over his life. He wrote three books in the Bible. He wrote one book when he was a young man. He wrote one book when he was a middle-aged man. And then as an old man, he wrote his third book and it's very short again, just eight pages. And in that book of eight pages, he looks back over his life and he says 35 times in that book, I wasted my life. I wasted my life. My life has been a waste. Your Bible may use the word vanity. Vanity means waste, useless. But it's a book about how a man wasted his life because he got old and looked back and realized, I never found my purpose and I never did it. You say, well, you must have been some kind of drug addict or a drunk. Let me tell you several things about this man. He's the richest man that's ever lived in world history. To this day, no man has had comparable wealth with him. Jeff Bezos doesn't have his money. He's the smartest man that ever lived. God said he's the smartest man that ever lived. He had everything there is to have. He didn't have a nice home. He had homes. They're actually called palaces. He ruled the most powerful nation in the world at that time. How, how How can you be that rich, be a king have that much stuff and 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 just he just moans I have wasted my life how can this be he had pleasure he said I entertained myself with all kinds of wine he didn't go to concerts he owned the musicians he said I acquired the great singers of my day and their instruments he he didn't go see ACDC he bought them he just owned them I don't think you can do it today but he did it Pleasure. Uh, We've been taught in this culture, this sick pagan culture that if you could just have all the sex you wanted, life would be great. With anybody you want, life would be great. Look up here. He had 700 wives. How you reconcile calling somebody the world's smartest man with the fact that he had 700 wives is a mystery to me. There's an old country hymn that goes like this. Trying to love two women is like a ball and chain. Imagine keeping 700 happy. I sort of got stuck thinking about that. 700 women at his call. How can that man say I wasted my life? Because he got to the end of his life, he had an empty heart and he said, I missed my purpose. For this reason, I never got to know God personally and I never related to people right. Right. Now, he accomplished accomplished much, but he never enjoyed God and he never learned how to enjoy people. And he said, this is a wasted life. That's not just his book in the Bible. God put that in the Bible to speak to me and you. Everything your culture is telling you is what you want is a lie unless it points to God as your father and people as your neighbor. It's a lie. The name of the book, Ecclesiastes, subtitled The Wasted Life, written by Solomon. Who wrote the book of wisdom as a middle aged man but died a miserable old man because he missed God and missed relationships? You see, how many of you think he had friends? You, th- you don't think you're the world's richest man, you ain't got some friends show up? How many of you know a friend and an acquaintance are two different things? I've had people say, I've got, I got 12,000 friends on Facebook. You're nuts. I'm visiting one day with a guy and somebody walked up and said, hey, preacher. The guy said, you got a lot of friends, don't you, son? I said, yes. He said, no, you don't. He said, you got a lot of acquaintances. He said, if you have two or three or four good friends in this life, you're a blessed man. Friends are different from acquaintances at heart level. And uh, why is that in the Bible? The Bible is God in his compassion speaking to you saying, don't waste your life on this stuff. Find your purpose and fulfill it. By the same token, I've known people who Never had much of an education. Struggled with money all their lives. Lived in a little old tiny frame house. Nobody ever knew their name, but they nailed their purpose because they knew God and they had great relationships. It's the bottom line of life right there. That's what it's all about. I'm going to say it again. He did not create me to work for him. He created me to be his son, his friend, to get to know him personally. And if I don't get to know God and enjoy him And get to know that woman I'm married to and enjoy her and enjoy the people around me, I am missing my purpose in life. All right. This with my background I had to really be taught this well, because I'd been taught you become a Christian and you serve the Lord, you work for the Lord, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. I do, I serve him, I love him, but I'm gonna tell you something. That is not the main thing. Now my wife and I, we've been married thirty eight years. How many of you think she married me so she could wash underwear for sixty years? What do y'all think? not even close. I mean, you. yes, some kind of sick right there. We're sitting there last night watching something and talking. She's folding laundry and she looks there and she said, look here, 25 pairs of camouflage boxer shorts. She said, this is a, this is a mental illness or something here. What is this right here? And that doesn't even count the one still in the drawer. We'd get married so she could wash my drawers. I didn't get married so I could pay for a house. We didn't get married so she could cook. She's the greatest servant in the world. That's not why we got married. That comes with it. But that's not the why. We got married to enjoy each other. How many of you know you can let the business take over the relationship? In marriage, family, church. The relationship is the most important thing. You have to keep it there. I'm praying one day and he's talking to me and he's trying to explain to me why he really don't need me to work for him. And uh, we have a wood shop. I love to do woodworks. I have a wood shop at our house out behind the place. And when my son got up to about 10, 11 years old, I'd take him, I'd say, come, let's go work in the woodshop today. And we'd go out there and we'd make things together. And he, he really enjoyed it. He got real good. I ended up working for a boat company, making, doing trim work. And he's really good at this stuff. But when he was little, he wasn't all that good. So I'd take him in the wood shop and we'd make things. And I had the best time in there with him. It was so much more fun when he was in there. I mean, I, I can do it by myself, but it was some of the best times in that shop were spent with him in there when he was just a little feller. And then he got to where he was trying to teach me things when he got older. But when he was little, he was fun. And we enjoyed ourselves in there. We had the best time. And let me ask you a question. Do you think I needed him in there? I could do it without him. Matter of fact, he slowed me down. You know, little hands don't work as fast as mine or more trained. I'd have to show him, put a hole right there, saw that right there, joint that right there. It was slower with him in there. because, And sometimes it didn't come out, you know, with this neurotic thing I got. Didn't come out just perfect, but I'd live with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he and the Spirit of the Lord Father told me. He said, "See, he said, son, I can do it quicker without you. I just love having you working with me. I just enjoy being in the family business. That's why 1 Corinthians three says we co-labor together with God. He invites me into his shop, which is the culture, his world. i of even know he can preach better than I can. He don't need me up here." He just sort of says, go ahead and do the best you can and what you screw up, I'll fix. (laughs) And you too. He can raise children better than you can. But he wants you to know the joy of it, working with him to do it. We weren't created to work for him. We were created to know him personally. And if you miss that, you miss your entire purpose. I want to quit by saying this. Now, it's going to sound a little nutty. What is the purpose of knowing your purpose? I mean, you can't do it until you know it. Three truths. Number one, shoot at nothing. You'll hit it every time. Would you agree? Don't do like Charlie Brown. Just shoot the air on the fence and then go draw a bullseye around it. Y'all remember that? Charlie Brown got a bow and arrow. He's out there in the fence. He, he just shoots air, hits the fence, goes out there and draws a bull eye, bullseye around it. He said, I never miss this way. You know what I just told you right there? That's how people are living. They just let life take them wherever it takes them. And they say, well, this is where I want it to be. Do not let this river carry you down the stream. You make up your mind where you want to go. If you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Really, it's not about cheeseburgers, pizza, movies, burping. You were created to enjoy God, relate to people, and accomplish. If you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. What happens if you shoot at the wrong target? You're going to end up like Solomon. You're going to get old and look back and say, I missed it. How many people have missed it? God was good to me years ago. I'm a young man just starting in the ministry. Wasn't married. Had my first church. Waiting on my sweetheart to get out of school so we'd get married. And I stopped by a car dealership one evening. It was closed. I didn't know it. And it was sort of misty out there. It was a dark day, cloudy. And it happened that the owner was standing out there. He had just locked the door. It was up in the hills where we were at. And I got to talking to him anyway. We talked a little bit. And he stood out there and talked to me for two hours. And we, just, for some reason, he just started talking about life. And he knew I was a young guy just starting out. And he just talked to me about life and things. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. We're standing out there. He puts his foot up on the bumper of a car. And we're standing out there. And he said, son, if you don't mind. He said, you don't know me. But can I teach you something? I said, I'll tell you what I learned as a young man. Listen to that gray hair. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, he said, I, he said, this is my place. He said, I own places like this. He said, I could write a check for a million dollars, not miss it. He said, I travel to hunt around the world. I can do anything I want to do. And he said, my kids don't want nothing to do with me. He said, my wife can't stand me. We've stayed together for religion. And he said, I've got everything people think they want. And I'm miserable on the inside. And he said, son, don't do what I did. I'm convinced God put him that day to teach me. It's not about the cash the houses, the jobs. It's about people. It's about relationships with God Almighty and people, period. If the other stuff comes, it's just a bonus. But you really don't need it. It is the people. righty, Let me quit by saying this. I have to know my target and I have to hit it on purpose. On purpose. You got to know what it is and you got to hit it on purpose. I'm going to give you a word. You ready for the word? The word is Pursuit. Pursuit. Great lives don't fall on people like ripe cherries. If that's your life, you're going to sit around and watch movies and burp and drag down to your job and wait to retire and sit at Walmart. Pursuit. If you want something, you've got to pursue it. That includes relationships. All right, let me tell you how I got married. <clears throat> Why I got married. I'm in the college cafeteria one morning, Saturday morning, nobody's in there much because everybody sleeps except for those of us had to work. I had to go to work. And I'm sitting there with a buddy of mine, he's a usher usher here now. And uh, this girl walks in, I'd never seen her before, it's the start of a new semester. And the moment I saw her, I decided we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel, we're gonna get married, Jack. I just fell in love with the first thing. I still remember what she was wearing. I was just, I was Twitterpated right off the badge, boom, just ran over me. I said to my buddy, would you pray with me that we get married? <laughs> not. That's not how you get married. I didn't sit there and wish. I got up. I said, I got to go. And I went over and sat down beside her and I started talking. I said, What's your name? We got to talk and find out where she's from. She'd just transferred there. Got to talking. We ate, finished eating We got done. I said, uh, Where are you going? She said, well, I got to go to work in the library. I said, I'll drive you. My car's right out here. She said, the t- That's the next building right there. I said, well, I'll drive you across the parking lot. Come on. So we went and got in my car. She sat down, trans and there was a pack of cigarettes laying on the console there. She, she picked them up. She said, whose are these? Oh, well, I could tell. I tell this is you. We've come to a crossroad, son. Got to make a decision which one you want the most. I just took them. I said, some fool had them in here last night. And I threw them in the back seat. How many of you know that if you want something, you may have to give some things up that are not worth it. Can I get a witness? Yeah. All right. Drove to the library. I said, this is good to me. She said, okay, thank you. I said, well, wait, I said wait a minute. I said, uh, let's do something this afternoon. Wait, what do you like to do? She said, I'm going running. I said, you run? You run? Ooh, I run. <laughs> run my mouth. I hate running. I thought, but here, here we are. Crossroads again. Decision time again. I said, oh, I was, I was going to run this. What a coincidence. So after work, we met, put on short britches, run up the road, come right back to where we was at. Does it make sense or what? Went running. That was September. I chased that woman. Listen to me. Please listen to me. If you want it, you got to chase it. That was September. I chased her till April. That was the first time she agreed to go out with me. Is April. I ought to get a medal. That's what I ought to get. <laughs> I chased her till she finally I don't know whether she I won her heart or I wore her down, but I did something. She finally agreed to go out with me. We got married. and listen, it didn't stop the day we got married. I think they should change from "I do" to "I will." Keep trying. God, that was good right there. Keep trying. We got one of the greatest relationships in the world, not because we're married. Anybody can have a ring, because I had chased her and I we, we have pursued her. Let me tell you something. I preach on the side. Christianity to me is not preaching. It's not church. It is a relationship with the Son of God. Tomorrow morning when I get up, I will be chasing Him. To know God, you have to pursue Him. He doesn't reward good people. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I'll be chasing God all the days of my life because I want to know Him. I take that book and I say, I want to hear you speak. I want to get to know you personally. If you'll show me who you are, I want to know it. Dear ones, if you want to find your purpose, you've got to chase it. I want to know people. I want to be close to people. I have to pursue that. I can't sit on my fanny and hope something happens. So <laughs> Butt glued to chair is not the way to live and I want to accomplish. I don't care whether I'm fishing, pastoring, mowing the grass. We want to do it with all our might. It's got to be right. My son mowed grass for the city of Melbourne when he got out of high school and he was good at it. He's never mowed my grass because he can't do it as good as I can. It's got to be right. Right's the way I want it done. It's got to be perfect. Every blade's got to be right. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it. We are not going to drag through life seeing what happens. We're going to live our lives pursuing our purpose. So that when I get old, I don't have to say like Solomon. It's wasted. It's wasted. Starts at the cross. You will never meet the God of this universe except at the cross. And you've got to come to the cross humbly. There's no bargaining with him. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. He is good. I met him at the cross. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. There is room at the cross for you. There's a place for you right there. And you can spend your life building and chasing and pursuing, but there's going to be a hole in your soul until you know your creator personally. Until you live to hear his voice, I don't care what you got. Until God is real to you, there's going to be an emptiness in here. I don't care how big a check you can write until he is real to you daily, there's going to be a hole in your soul. There doesn't have to be. He created you to know him, to live with him, and to pursue relationship. Let's start. You ready? Oh, Jesus, we love you and praise you. I love to pray. It's our delight to turn our hearts towards you and hear your voice and know you to be in a breathing, living relationship with the son of God, to walk with you and talk with you. I thank you for that. You created us to know you, to be in relationship with you, to enjoy you. You created us to enjoy people. Dear Jesus, what is wrong in this land? People don't, lost about you. Can't get along with each other. Failure in attempts. We're missing it. I praise you and thank you that our original purpose is still there. We can still know you. We can still enjoy people and we can still accomplish on this earth. I pray for every person in this room first who has never started a relationship with you. They have lived their entire lives and didn't even know their creator. I want you to tell them that your name is Jesus that you created them because you love them and you created them to love them and to enjoy them and be good to them, have a relationship with them. I, I pray in Jesus' name, put it in people's hearts to know you. Draw them to yourself right now. Friend, all of life starts by meeting Jesus and saying, that's my creator right there. I want to know him personally. And while we're praying, I'm going to give you a chance to call on his name. We're going to go to the cross where you meet Jesus. That's where the son of God bled and died for you to get to know you and bring you to him. There's one God. There's one mediator between God and man. And it's the man Christ Jesus. And he can bring you to his father and your father, but you have to come to the cross. Let's do it right now. If you want to come to Jesus and you want to make him the Lord and master of your life, you want to know the God who created you. I want you to pray a simple prayer seated right where you're at. I'll I'll help you. Pray this in your heart with me right there where you're sitting. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you created the universe. And I believe you died on a cross for me. I declare you rose from the grave. And you're coming back to this earth. And I want to know you. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I'm sorry. I turn from them. And I call on your name that you would receive me right now. And I receive you as my Savior and my Lord and the love of my life. I reach out to you right now, best I know how. I don't understand it, but I believe it. Today, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my everything. I want to thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for saving me and making me yours. I'll be yours for all of eternity. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, strong son of God. Now, if you prayed that minute, raise your hand real high. Let us so where I can see it. Put it up real high. Thank you. Put those down. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Thank you that you're still drawing people to yourself. Nothing matters except that we get back to our God. And I thank you for that. Now, Father, before I close, I want to pray for people sitting in this room. They met you at one point in their lives, but their lives have gotten all out of order. They're not evil. They just don't know you personally anymore. Your voice is not alive to them. I pray you put it in their hearts to say, I want to find my purpose. Solomon was your son, but he missed his purpose. And I pray for everybody in this room, they would live to know you personally and enjoy you, live to relate to people and live to accomplish, free from the direction of this culture. I believe you hear that prayer and I believe you answer it. Bring us to the place where we live like we were created to live. I trust you for that. I give you all the praise and glory in the precious name of Jesus I pray, amen.